0: Three. again this morning. Uh, this morning we're going to examine uh, verses 11 through 26. Uh, we will pray for God's grace as we prepare our hearts to study His Word. We'll read the text uh, under consideration, and then we'll divide the text, making some observations and applications as we go. But first, would you uh, bow your hearts with me as we pray? Now, Father in heaven, we do praise you for the grace that you've given us in Christ Jesus. We ask for continued grace this morning to illuminate the text to our understanding. We ask that you would move our will to obedience, Lord. Father, we ask for your provision and for your mercy and your grace to be at work uh, in all the servants at Vina Medical this week. I ask, Lord, that you would give them boldness with compassion and that you, Lord, would preserve life for the unborn. I ask, Lord, that you would have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you are able to stand, uh, would you stand and uh, as we read the infallible, inspired word of God together this morning. Beginning, Acts chapter 3, beginning verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One. And asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is God's word. Thanks for God. You may be seated. The word of God calls... His people, a peculiar people. Sojourners, travelers, pilgrims, strangers. So I ask us this morning to contemplate this. What does the pattern of your life communicate? Does it communicate that you live now in Christ? Does it cause people who look at your life that you live now in Christ, who knew you before your conversion, to wonder with amazement What has happened to you? Does the life you live now seem peculiar and strange to your friends, your co-workers, and your classmates? In other words, is the pattern of your life a testimony to the healing power of God in Christ Jesus? See, a changed life is a wonder and an amazement to the world. A changed life is a wonder and an amazement. They knew who you were. They knew your behavior. They knew your heart before. A changed life is a wonder and an amazement to the world. And it is a compelling testimony to the healing power of the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we pick up our study, we pick up our study with Peter, addressing the people gathered at the temple, these people having witnessed that a lame man from birth, they witnessed him leaping and praising God at the command of Peter and there they are filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him as we go through our text this morning you're going to see and you might see in your worship folder the outline of this sermon you might see that in the structure of the text you can observe this that this is a proclamation of the gospel god glorified jesus God's faithful servant who was obedient unto death on a cross was a ransom for sinful people. He raised him and exalted him as Lord. This Jesus is the holy and righteous one of God through whom the unrighteous are forgiven. This Jesus is the originator, the initiator, and the keeper of faith. It is faith in Christ, faith in His name, that comes to us, restoration, reconciliation, and healing. Although in times past, one of us, all of us, many of us, have denied Jesus, that we have failed to believe due to a lack of understanding, repentance and faith is still available to you today by God's grace and by His mercy. God raised up a greater than Moses this Jesus fulfilled the law that Moses had delivered. This Jesus you must listen to and obey. If you repent and believe, there is eternal life. But if you reject His word, at some point, your no will be no. Forever your no will be no, and you cannot be counted as the people of God. You will be counted as people who are appointed to the judgment and the wrath of God. So that is a summary. I gave you the whole thing in the, in the, in the front. And now we're going to look at the text and see how this text unfolds those truths that I just shared to you. And it is indeed the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let us look at verses 11 and 12. While he clung to Peter and John, All the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico that is called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Peter's purpose in this second sermon is the same as it was in the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter desires that no one would misunderstand or misapprehend what the Spirit was doing. And to appropriately attribute the work and the glory to God in Christ Jesus. So he poses this question, why do you wonder? Why do you wonder? Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Why do you wonder? You see, it is not in our own power that this man who could not help himself was healed. It was not because of our own piety, that is, it is not because of our faithfulness to to a religious observance that this man is made well. Then what was it? They're in wonder and amazement. What was it? How do you explain the obvious transformation of the lame, lame man? How do you explain that he is fully restored, that he is leaping and praising God? I ask us this, does anyone wonder about you? Are people amazed at the difference between your life's pattern and priorities compared to what they used to be? I would ask us this, does your, does your life give off an aroma? An aroma that is foreign to the world. It is a sweet aroma to God. But to the world, is it a stench? It is a sweet aroma to God, the life in Christ. Does your life give off an aroma that there is something different, change, something that would cause wonder and amazement and, and a lack of understanding? Does it give off an aroma that is foreign to the world or is your scent unnoticeable? Is the scent of Christ in your life unnoticeable because you walk, talk, and live according to the same pattern everyone else around you does. How do you then, how do we explain the adulterer, who is, the adulterer who is now dutifully devoted to his wife? How do we explain the foul-mouthed man who now speaks with gentleness and kindness, who is now slow to speak, but when he does speak, his words are seasoned with grace? If anyone wonders about you, are you prepared to answer? Peter is prepared to give an answer to his countrymen who wonder in amazement at the transformation of the lame man from birth. Remember in Peter's epistle, he instructs all of us who have been born again to a living hope to be prepared to give an answer. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a offense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. See, I think for somebody to ask for why do you have this hope in you, you should appear peculiar, strange. Something is going on in this person. I don't understand it. I wonder what it could be. How does this person have hope? I know they struggle with the same things I struggle with, yet they are joyful and full of hope. Are you prepared to give an answer? Well, Peter is prepared to give an answer. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered over, and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So he gives an apologetic. It's a formal case. He makes a formal case. Peter makes an explanation for the transformation of the lame man. And he says, quite simply, the explanation for the transformation of the lame man is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll notice as we go along that Peter's proclamation of the good news is, is over and against the reality of the people uh, that he's speaking to, their own condition. You see, we'll see this morning that good news is only good news when you understand how bad the bad news is. But I want us to get this, that the lame man's res- restoration is the work of the God of promise. It's what Peter wants them to know that the lame man leaping and praising God and being restored uh, fully, that, that this is only the work of the God of promise, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Israel, the God who chose them through God's glorified servant. God glorified His servant, He says, His servant Jesus. Just as Isaiah wrote, In 52.13, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and he shall be exalted. Jesus came and faithfully acted according to the will of God, the God of promise. And God glorified Jesus. God glorified His servant who acted wisely. Further, Isaiah describes God's servant, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. God sent His servant Jesus. He says to the people of Israel, God sent His servant Jesus, and you did not believe His word. Nor did you believe the works that God did through him, Peter says. Your failure to believe led you to deliver this Jesus over to the Romans. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One, verse 14, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. Your denial Peter says, was a failure to believe in the holy and righteous one of God. You denied God in the flesh and you desired a murderer in his stead. What Luke is trying to do here in this, in this book and in this particular section is showing that there, the moral superiority of Jesus, his, he was morally superior over against the moral and, and immoral uh, people of Israel looking at those two side by side. Luke makes this case a couple of times in the book of Acts. In uh, 7.52, he says, Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. And again in Acts 22.14, and he said, The God of our fathers appointed to you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from His mouth. Peter says, Men of Israel, when God's servant appeared to you, the Holy and Righteous One, He was there in your midst and you failed to believe. And given the choice between the moral moral superior Jesus, the Holy and Righteous One, you chose a morally inferior man You chose one who was much like yourselves, ignoring the holy and righteous Jesus sent from God. See, holiness and righteousness, he says, you rejected, and instead you chose sin. I would say this to all of us. Again, is this not the state of humankind Is it not the state of humankind to choose moral corruption rather than the holy and righteous one, lest God intervene? Given the choice, we would always choose what they chose. We can sit there, and, and a lot of people contemplate this when they think about the people of Israel and their time and time again and failure and rejection of God and rejecting holiness and all of those things. And we say, well, knowing what we know and what we see, we would never have done that. You are so wrong. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. You were born just as they were born. Lame from birth, just like the one that God raised up. You were born lame from birth. Unable to help yourself. You would choose the moral moral inferior rather than choosing holiness and righteousness. Since the fall of Adam, men and women have been born with this debilitating disease of sin and they are born lame from birth. And what we think is, is that we have free will. That we have this free will. We do, except that that free will is now in bondage to sin. It is in bondage to sin and it is no longer free. We think it's free, but what we really have freedom to do is we have freedom to make moral choices. But because the bondage of sin is so incapacitating, what we will always choose is that which is morally corrupt. We will choose what is morally corrupt. And what he's saying to them is the Holy and Righteous One was there, but instead of choosing the Holy and Righteous One, you said, give to us a murderer. Give to us one who is like ourselves. Because to choose the Holy and Righteous One is to choose one who is different, who is holy, who is separate. To choose holiness. No, give us one like ourselves. Isn't that the age old thing through the, through the, through the Old Testament? We shall have a king. We want a king like us. We want a king like the other nations. We want one like us. We want one who is morally corrupt. Like I said, I'm giving you the bad news first, but I'm going to give you good news. It's coming. Verse fifteen, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. So he says here, Jesus is the author of life, and according to Hebrews twelve two twelve two, it means that Jesus is the originator. He is the origin of faith. He is, and he is the originator of faith that leads to life. See, when he talks about faith, faith and life are this thing that works together. That, that when he talks about life, he's talking about um, eternity. The writer of the book of Acts defines life as being synonymous with salvation for eternity. In Acts 5.20, he says, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. Eleven eighteen then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life acts 13 46 and 48 it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to first to you since you thrust it aside and you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life behold we are turning to the Gentiles and when the Gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the Word of the Lord and as many as were a Pointed to life. Believed. God sent and glorified his servant Jesus. Who perfectly served the will and work of God. In his works and with his words. Him. He says, you delivered over to the Romans and you denied that he was sent from God. You judged him smitten of God and you rejected him in unbelief. Given the freedom in God to choose holiness and righteousness, you desired a morally corrupt sinner instead of the holy and righteous one who was sent for your salvation. In your sinful unbelief, you sent the author of eternal life to be killed. The one God raised from the dead of which we are eyewitnesses, Peter says. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly and yet you did not believe. Only now does Peter answer their wonder and amazement directly. He takes the first three verses to answer, but he doesn't answer it directly. He says, why do you wonder that this man born lame, this man with no ability in himself to reverse the effects of the nature that he was born with, why do you wonder that he is up and and praising God and leaping? And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. There's his direct answer. We proclaim not ourselves to the lame man, but we proclaim what we know. He proclaims what he knows. He doesn't proclaim uh, anything in himself. He proclaims what he knows. Jesus, the servant of God, the holy and righteous one of God, the author of salvation, the originator, originator of faith, in faith, we proclaimed healing to this man in the name of Jesus. By faith, we proclaimed Jesus' name. And by faith, in Jesus' name, this man was healed. There is no wonder that this man has returned to health. It was Jesus who accomplished this. It was faith in his name that made him well. And Peter might also add this, and your bewilderment is no surprise to me. Because your unbelief led this Jesus to be crucified. But God glorified him. God raised him from the dead that in his name this man is healed. And basically I think he's saying here, you are in the same condition as the lame man was before his restoration. In unbelief, you delivered Jesus to the hands of lawless men. In unbelief, you desired moral corruption, denying the Holy and Righteous One. In your unbelief, you delivered the Holy One to be counted as one smitten by God, the author of eternal life. You have desired to have Him killed and crucified. This is the bad news delivered by Peter to the men of Israel. And this is bad news. This is bad news for you who sit in the pew in unbelief. Because you are in the same condition as the lame man, the same condition as the men of Israel. By unbelief, you are guilty of having delivered the servant of God, Jesus, into the hands of lawless men. In unbelief, you desire moral, morally inferior ways of men. And you reject the Holy One. Reject the righteousness of God. You have suppressed the truth of God by your own unrighteousness. In unbelief, you are as guilty as the men of Israel that Peter is addressing. Like them, in unbelief, you have chosen to reject the author, the originator of eternal life. In the name of Jesus, there is healing. But you have denied Him. By faith, In his name there is reconciliation to God, but you have rejected him in unbelief. Verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer... He thus fulfilled, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until a time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. The days of your former ignorance, He says, are behind you. Christ fulfilled in His suffering the atonement for sin, even the atonement for your past unbelief. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming servant of God who would suffer death and would be glorified for sinners. What you did in ignorance, God ordained for your salvation. That's what Peter is getting at here. What you did in ignorance, in unbelief, God ordained even your ignorance and unbelief to bring about the atonement for sin. God ordained this for your salvation. Isaiah 53. See, it was the will of God. Yes, it was the will of God to crush Him. He has put Him to grief. When His soul makes an offering for guilt, He shall see His offspring. He shall prolong His days. Peter says, brothers, men of Israel, the pew sitter, salvation is available today. God knows your past ignorance. He knows your past failure to believe. What you did in ignorance, God accomplished His will for your salvation. In your hearing, men of Israel, In your hearing, you who have gathered here today, salvation in Jesus Christ has been proclaimed to you. Today is the day of salvation. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. God is offering you grace this morning. Grace to believe and an opportunity to repent from your former ignorance. An opportunity to repent for your past unbelief. See, I want us to get that today is the day of salvation because you may not get tomorrow. You may not get tomorrow. You may not. And we have to, with the same urgency, tell our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers that same thing. They may not get tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. That God is offering you uh, forgiveness for your ignorance and your unbelief for your failure to believe, for your misunderstanding. God is offering you grace to believe. An opportunity to repent. But you may not get tomorrow. Because further in the book of Acts, it says that a day is coming when your rejection will be full and final. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now... He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. See, God commands repentance now. See, repentance is not a suggestion, is it? It's not a suggestion in the Scriptures. God commands repentance. It's a command. See, a day is coming when you reject the one you reject. And if you reject him today in unbelief, there's a day when, when the Savior will return, when Jesus will return, but he will return to you not as a Savior, but as your righteous judge. Your no will be no forever. Your rejection will be full and final. And it says he's fixed the day in which Jesus will come as the judge in righteousness. That means he determines what is right and what is not. He will come and determine that one day. So today is the day where it says, Repent, therefore, and turn back from your former ignorance. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that He may send the Christ appointed for you. Today is the day to receive Jesus as Christ. Don't wait to see Jesus as judge. You want, him, you want to receive Him as the Christ and not the judge. Verse 22, Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. I love this. It makes me think that Peter is saying something like this. If you will not listen to me, consider Moses. God spoke the law through Moses and he foretold of a greater one to come. And in him you must heed his voice. And the words that I'm speaking now are the words of Christ. I'm speaking Jesus' words to you You must hear his voice. And he says, listen to the prophet that Moses spoke of. Listen to the coming one. Because the coming one has come. And it is Jesus And Him you must listen to. Hebrews 1 says this, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Listen to him. God is speaking through Christ in your lives as you speak the truth of Jesus to people. It is, you might, you might be the audible voice. But it is God speaking. It is God speaking the truth. When we're preaching up here, it is God speaking the truth. It is God's Word that is being spoken. It is God working. We must listen to Him. Notice the warning. Those who do not listen to Him are not counted as the people of God. That's what He says. He says here, listen to Him. Listen to that prophet. Every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Listen to him. What were Jesus' uh, first words as he began his earth, earthly ministry? In Mark 1.15 it says that he said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Listen to him, the author of salvation, the originator and perfecter of faith. uh, He says, repent and believe the words concerning me. Believe the words concerning the Christ. Turn to him in faith for the forgiveness of your sins and receive eternal life. Or continue in your rejection. You've got a choice. See, when the gospel is presented... When the gospel is presented to anyone, a moment of crisis has arrived, hasn't it? It's a moment of crisis when the, when the gospel is proclaimed, when it's truly proclaimed. There's a moment of crisis in your life. And some people don't even recognize that their crisis has come. But their crisis has come. It has come. It has come in that moment. When the gospel is proclaimed, if it's proclaimed accurately, clearly, and correctly, according to the Word of God, if it's proclaimed, their moment of crisis has definitely arrived. Because there they are, left with this. Repent and believe and receive life. Reject him, judgment. That's, that's, there's only, that's where you land. Receive him, listen to him, and receive life. Reject him, judgment. That's why Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And what happened with those who repented and believed and followed him? The kingdom of God's circle kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, didn't it? But those who reject him are just awaiting judgment and the wrath of God. Peter's telling the people of Israel, Heed the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to His voice. Because it is faith in His name and only faith in His name that will include you in the kingdom of God. If you reject the mighty name of Jesus, you will perish. You will perish in His coming judgment. Verse 24. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after Him also proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Peter says, Israel, these days were foretold to you by the prophets. Jesus was sent by God to you first. You were to be a peculiar people chosen by God. You were to be peculiar in that of all the people of the earth that you would hear and listen to His voice. That you would receive Him. And that you would turn from your sin. Then you and all the earth would be blessed through you by faith in His name. And your faith would then bring many people to salvation. Jesus was sent to turn you from your wickedness. Jesus was sent to turn you from your former ignorance and to bring you and to give to you eternal life. He says to them, today your ignorance will be overlooked if you will repent and believe the gospel. And he wants to be sure to tell them that this promise was for you first. This promise was brought to you first. And I would say to all of us to remember this, that this promise is for you. This promise is for you. That by faith in the name of Jesus, you can be healed. By faith in the name of Jesus, you can be transformed. You can be taken from death to life, from darkness to light, by faith in Jesus' name. This is offered to you. Your former ignorance can be forgiven if you will repent, that is, turn away from that and turn to Him. The mighty name of Jesus saves. This promise is for you. And there is no other name under heaven or by earth by which you will be saved. Paul writes in the gospel in, in, in Romans 1:16, "For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek." And notice, as, as the book of Acts progresses, we see that the Jews rejecting, rejecting, and they take the good news to the Gentiles. they take the good news to the world. This good news is for you. God glorified His servant Jesus. What does that mean? You've been admired in unbelief. And he says, God glorified His servant Jesus. What does that mean ultimately? It means that it was the will of God to crush Jesus on a cross for your sin. And God raised Him from the dead. It means that He is holy and righteous and that He was killed, crucified for your ungodliness, for your suppression of the truth and unrighteousness. This Jesus, who is the author and a protector of eternal life, He died for your disobedience and your hard-heartedness. Today, your former ignorance and unbelief will be forgiven if you believe on the name of Jesus, if you turn, you will be saved. If you will listen to Jesus, if you will listen to the words concerning the Christ, if you will listen to the greater than Moses, today is the day. Today is the day to heed the voice of Jesus. See, when we know the bad news, then we also know this, that God is gracious. The the author of salvation, the offer of faith is here for you right now. The offer is here. If you reject it, you reject it to your own peril. You reject it to your own demise. Because one day He will come, not as Savior, but He will come as judge. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Listen to him. He was sent for you.